Hi everyone, this is Duncan and Onedo, and welcome back to the Bounce Back Podcast. We have a special episode today for y'all, where we will talk through our initial impressions of every first round series in the NBA playoffs, followed by a segment focused on the potential of the NBA's bubble format going forward, and how it could potentially improve the league for good. Potentially, potentially. Bubble potential. Without any further ado, here's the episode. Hey, Onato. Hey, Duncan. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, bro. How How are you? Good, man. It's a exciting time. <laughs> it is an exciting reason. time. The bubble is is you know is is really just has been a tremendous success. Knock on wood. And uh, we've just started the NBA playoffs, and you know that's what we're going to talk about today. But uh, just really, really excited to to for the playoffs to have finally arrived. Feels like it's been so long. <laughs> yeah, man, it's uh, it's honestly much needed. Yeah, absolutely. What's going on in the NBA right now? Well, you know, there's um, a few interesting reports uh, that I think are worth covering. The first being uh, the fact that for the, I think, fourth week in a row, uh, the FBA has reported no new cases of COVID-19. There have been players who have left the bubbles, the bubble, Mm -hmm. (laughs) not bubbles, the bubble for personal reasons. Bubbles! Bubbles! But, 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 you know, it seems like the bubble has, you know, stayed intact and it's, and it's continued to work, which is really great. Uh, and this might interest some of our, you know, more scientifically inclined listeners, but there's a report that came out today, uh, not today, a few days ago. Uh, on this saliva test that was developed by Yale, mm. uh, which the NBA uh, has been using, actually, I think for the last like week or two, uh, just as like their um, their COVID test to see, you know, check which players might have it, you know, check how people are doing and stuff. Mm. And it seems like these tests, and, and, I, and, and I don't know exactly who funded them or I guess the NBA funded it. I don't think that's the case, really. I think but I remember they, seeing, I I don't have my source off the top of my head, but I remember seeing it was um, the NBA and the NBA Players Association right. contributed money to the study. Right, nice. Yeah, so, like, this study is really great because uh, this saliva test, uh, which is, it's like, the way you know like the its structure or whatever uh is or like the blueprint for these exams are open sourced so you know it's not like yale or the nba is going to be making money off of this and Mm -hmm. you know any theoretically any lab uh in the united states could take the blueprint for this test which is relatively inexpensive it's about ten dollars to produce um give or take uh this 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 test could be really great not just for you know sports leagues which i'm sure are going to really heavily invest mm-hmm. in this like test given that you can get your results back in like 
three hours, I think, is like the minimum, which is like insane, uh, given how I think some of some tests have worked in the have worked in the United States up to this point. So you know that's kind of a big breakthrough, and I think the you know the NBA was involved. So you know it was definitely worth mentioning. We can definitely and that's add, that's also add a big deal. That. That's a big deal, like politically too, because I mean, I mean, everyone knows how terrible the testing infrastructure is in our country right now. Um, yeah. And for a test to be so publicly successful, and I mean, the big problem is like right now, I got tested a few months ago. It took a full week to get the results, and at that point, like people have lived their lives in those seven days. Um, <laughs> So for Seven a test, times over. <laughs> well, exactly. Like, <laughs> um, and so that's a big piece of like our country moving forward, especially if our political leaders um, are going to be pushing to get the economy rolling and everyday life going. You need tests that you'll get results within minutes or hours. That's how every right. other country who has moved past the quarantine phase and are in the next phases and are doing it successfully they have these tests that you get results quickly because that's effective exactly and i think you know this is going to be you know if done correctly and i won't and i'm not and i'm super sure that like certain state governments will be able to implement this or municipalities will be able to implement this uh, better than the federal government has Mm. Uh, and so you know, I, I think this is actually really promising. Um, and I just think that, you know, I, I don't know. I, I personally think that a lot of people have been struggling for a long time and it doesn't seem like, I mean, it really just does seem like people are on their own. So for something like this to come out, I think could spell a little bit of hope and, 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 you know, just the possibility that people could, uh, not, there will never be another normal, you know, people will not, anybody who thinks that we're, everything is just going to go back to normal is kidding themselves. But, you know, kind of going back to being able to go to work or being able to leave their house comfortably, right. Or mm-hmm. go into a certain space knowing that, you know, they won't be a risk or they won't be a risk to other people and people, other people potentially won't be a risk them either i think that's i don't know i think that's a good thing in terms of moving forward like you said so big, you know, big facts. We, we we'll put the the uh the link to that uh to that you know report on our show notes so you know anybody who wants to check it out can do that uh and then uh the last major headline i wanted to touch on uh, as far as the nba goes is uh commissioner adam silver uh, talked about the success of the uh, play-in bubble and mm-hmm. is basically, you know, with the with the new CBA coming up next year, mm-hmm. uh, I'm sure the league is going to want to, like, figure out a way to uh, make this more of a permanent thing, uh, some sort of, like, play-in tournament or some sort of bubble. Who knows? Who knows? I think a bubble with fans would be really cool to be honest. Mm-hmm. Like, I, like, I don't know how you could do it. You you probably have to do like a, I don't know. So many different things could happen. I really like the schedule for the NBA. 
Like, mm-hmm. I really love fall, the NBA in the fall, <laughs> but maybe it won't work because, you know, other leagues, like, typically now, like, this is when football is is kind of go is starting off and, and baseball as well. So I don't know. We'll see. But, but that is something that he has communicated in the past. Uh, he wants to do, and we will talk about that uh, in an upcoming segment in the show. Yeah. Um, and I also wanted to give a little update about the WNBA because they just hit the halfway point through their regular season. They're having their full, it's a shortened season, but, the whole regular season will be occurring in their own bubble. And they just hit the halfway point through their season. Um, oh, damn, re- that's fucking wild. Their regular season ends on September 12th, and the playoffs will start shortly after. And right now, the Seattle Storm are literally dominating. <laughs> like, it's actually not even close. Um, they're 11-1. and in first place, um, the closest team behind them are Las Vegas at eight and three. The Las Vegas Aces. Yeah, <laughs> Las Vegas Aces. That's nice uh, alliteration. I always appreciated that about their name. Is that the right word for that? Las Vegas Aces. We'll Las go with, Vegas Aces. We'll go we'll, with it. We'll go with alliteration. Um. So yeah, and. In case you don't know how the WNBA playoff structure works and seating structure, much like a lot of NBA fans would like to see the NBA seating structure work, the WNBA, instead of being seated by conference, they seat it by league. And so the top eight teams in the league will then make the playoffs. Ooh, top eight. Ooh. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. I wonder I wonder how this bubble is going to like like if this bubble is something that would potentially work out for the WNBA going forward. Yeah, exactly. I think it could it could be an exciting like marketing structure for the WNBA as they've gained so much popularity over time and like continue to play incredible basketball through and through. Right. Right, definitely, yeah. Yeah, so so we'll see, but uh, with no further ado, uh, <laughs> Duncan, what are uh, what are your, your kind of hot takes, or what are your first takes on, uh, on the NBA playoffs starting? What are your highlights of the first days of yeah. the playoffs? So, I mean, everyone knows it's been two days of the playoffs at this point, so we haven't... Have we seen every team play at this point? Or there's yes. still teams? Uh, okay. Yes, every every team has played uh, has completed their first game. Yeah, so I think... As of the recording of this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, today is August 19th. Things may have changed by the time you listen. But oh, okay, so, I see you listen to NPR, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> I do, in fact, do that. Um, you liberal snob. <laughs> <laughs> so my biggest takeaway so far, I think we both have similar takeaways, um, but the Lakers need to hit these free throws, man. 
Like, just watching, that's really how the Lakers lost this game last night. Like, yeah, like, Melo iced it and... Iced it. CJ McCollum <laughs> kind of popped off there at the end. But also, LeBron and Anthony Davis could have tied and then taken a two-point lead, I believe, with around, like, four minutes left. And they both just, like, totally... They went 0 for 4 in that stretch on their free throws, and that really just like set the tone for how the game was going to end, at least from what I saw. Um, and the Lakers also just need to make some pretty big adjustments to deal with this super hot Blazers team. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it just and, made me think of that that meme from Zoolander with uh, <laughs> with Wolfer. Oh, they're so hot right now. <laughs> <laughs> that should Good be reference. a meme we post on our uh, show notes, <laughs> on our show notes, and and on the uh, Instagram page at, at the Bounce Back Podcast. Please follow. Us. Um, <laughs> my other <laughs> exciting thing was watching Nikola Vucevic just all out like this dude. Yeah, people, the, people sleep on him. Yeah. yeah. I People mean, this dude, fantasy basketball players have been drooling over Vucevic for years, but yeah. this dude just yeah. torched the best defensive team in the league. Like it was just what people. What people don't know about Vucevic, and I, again, not not to be like Mister Know It All here, but the you are. But it's fine. Played, <laughs> 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 hey, fuck you. <laughs> You know, but um, but the Heat, you know, the Heat play the Magic like four times a year, and I have seen a lot of Vucevic, uh, mm-hmm. specifically during the Hassan Whiteside era. Like this dude would just eat, like fucking just eat, like he like he's just so good, right? Because he can shoot from the outside, right? He can space the floor, but he also has post moves. Mm-hmm. Like he is like. A really like all around very skillful like center, mm-hmm. uh, which is like you know the compliment I guess most European bigs get. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but it's true he and he's a great like player and he's and he, pretty underrated. He would shine if he was like on another team. Honestly, if I'm the if I'm the Warriors, I would try to get Vucevic because Vucevic would be like a great addition to that Warriors team. And exactly, and he's adopted super well as like the NBA has evolved like his mm-hmm. three point shot is just so wet and like he has just become like a true threat from like anywhere out in the court i also want to give a quick shout out you just mentioned Hassan Whiteside and that reminded me Whiteside yeah, had some very clutch blocks on the Lakers down the stretch of that game and that also um went in tandem with a lot of the offensive prowess that the Blazers were showing towards the end of the game, but his defense, I think, is worth mentioning because that really, along with LeBron and Anthony Davis missing those free throws, like he just shut down the paint. Yeah, um, let me tell you something. I talk a lot of shit about Hassan Whiteside, but yesterday he really made me eat my words <laughs> <laughs> with five whole-ass blocks against the Lakers. Two coming <laughs> like in the first quarter. Clutch blocks. Like, so freaking clutch. So freaking clutch. 
Like you gotta give credit where it's due, man. He mm-hmm. big plays, big plays. And we can get more into the Blazers later, but Onedo, um, what are your kind of highlights after the first two days of the playoffs? Man, I'm just really one. I, I mean, I think you can't deny the just like how important these like upsets have been, right? Mm-hmm. Like the Magic beating the Bucks and the Lakers losing to the Bla- to the Blazers. I think that's just like a really exciting. That makes for a very exciting, I think, first <laughs> day of like basketball in the league. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, I, I think mo- the consensus around the league is still that the Lakers and the Bucks are going to, you know, get out of their first round, uh, get out of the first round, um, despite these like uh, game one losses. In mm-hmm. fact, you know, last year the Raptors lost to the Magic in game one of the first round, and you know, and we know we all know how that ended up going. So <laughs> it's you know, it's not the end of the world. These teams can make adjustments, but. It's nice to see these top teams with a little bit of pressure, right? I think mm-hmm. that's just like exciting and that's good for the league. Um, some series that I'm really interested in watching or I'll be kind of following closely. Uh, one, and then there two of them, I have to admit, are in the Western Conference. Uh, but this one, the series between the Jazz and the Nuggets, mm. freaking exciting. We'll get, we'll get more into it like soon enough. Uh, and then also this series between the Mavs and the Clippers. Uh, and the reason I mentioned both of those, those series is that two really interesting things happened for the teams that lost players on, on whose teams lost one mm-hmm. Donovan Mitchell, uh, exploding for 57 points, third, mm-hmm. almost NBA playoff history, the youngest player to score over 50 points in the play in playoff history, which is insane. Um, and then also, uh, you have Luka Doncic, I think scoring like 40 something in his playoff debut, which is also fucking insane. Like, like who, who is 21 yeah. years old, Duncan, and goes for like 40 against the Clippers in the playoffs? <laughs> you know what I mean? And there's also Doncic. some controversy with, with, with Porzingis in that game that we can get into, uh, when we cover these series a little bit more in depth with that being said let's uh um so let's look at the games that are happening today which is august 19th in case you missed that earlier first up we got nets raptors only note i have boring But wait, because like in a year you're gonna be a Nets fan, and so <laughs> no, 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 no. Get that baloney out of here. It's fun. No, no. Oh. Karis, Karis Levert's playing really well. That's fun to watch. I mean, the Raptors. <laughs> I think it's just gonna be a quick series for the Raptors. I just I don't really have anything more to say about that. Nah, it's 100% gonna be a quick series for the Raptors. But I am I'm consistently impressed. Every time Karis LeVert or Spencer Dinwiddie, like even Spencer Dinwiddie's injured, he's not playing in this series, like go off for like 30 points. It just makes me realize how fucking dangerous this Nets team is going to be next year. Like, yeah. like I, I think the, the value in this series is like, ooh, like this is so, so who's going to, these are like tryouts for who's going to be role, who are going to be the role players for the Nets next year, essentially, you know? 
<laughs> like it, it, it's so wild that the you know East is going to have another elite team in a year. So I mean, you know, that that's what I'm excited. And obviously, I mean the the uh, Raptors are in top form. That's it. Yeah, sweep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, we've talked at length about the Raptors, and we both think highly of them and think they're going to have a good playoff run. And I think they have a pretty easy matchup to start the playoffs. The next game is the Jazz and the Nuggets. I mean, obviously Mitchell dropped 57 the other day, but the Nuggets ended up winning. So I think the big thing is, can Mitchell sustain that level of play, A, and B, Someone else needs to step up on that team, and I think when they yeah. traded for him, they were hoping it would be Mike Conley. Yeah. Well, um, he, he had to leave the bubble. Did you know that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, why did he have to leave? Oh, it's for the birth of his daughter, or his child. Fair reason to leave the bubble. Yeah, That's yeah, exciting yeah. for him. Good for him. Congrats it, to the It's, the, uh, it's very exciting for him. Yeah, 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 yeah unfortunate timing but nonetheless it's a very valid reason like like for uh to leave the bubble but i mean i think that was a big big part of it like yeah he had to like leave the bubble i think he's gonna come back soon and he should i don't know if he'll be back in time honestly um well yeah because then that was a big quarantine exactly um i mean the jazz have enough pieces that they can Stay competitive you know, with a team like the Nuggets. Um, yeah, they could lose like in a five game or six game series. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, here's the thing a fully healthy like jazz team would be really interesting in this, um, in this series. Cause if you have, you know, if you have Mike Conley and Bo- Bojan Bogdanovich, I totally messed up his name. So, you know get mad at me whoever you haters <laughs> haters <laughs> no um Bogdanovich they're Bogdanovich um he's such an important player for them and I think that was like a huge loss for them just like mm-hmm. coming into the bubble not having him available that really you can tell when they play like their offense just kind of like I mean there's a reason why Donovan Mitchell had to go for 57 and it's because like one, Mike Conley wasn't there, who, interestingly enough, has been playing really well in the bubble. Mm-hmm. Uh, but not just him, it's also like losing Bogdanovich, who is so key to their spacing and stuff. Yeah. So, and like, at times can be their <laughs> best scorer. Yeah, facts, facts. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, it's, yeah, it's fine, great. But I don't want to like, poo poo <laughs> the nuggets because they I mean first of all we gotta talk about Jamal Murray oh my and goodness. the big shots that he made down the stretch in that game. If he keeps playing like that and can sustain it, like the Nuggets could be a real surprise. So exciting. Right? I love watching them play. I just mm-hmm. I love watching them play. Like they're so fun to watch. Like fucking <laughs> Jokic just like <laughs> Pat making passes, setting screens, Jamal Murray hitting these tough ass shots. That's another team that's not fully healthy, I don't think. 
like they have some people who are out as well. Yeah, it would be really scary if they were fully healthy. A couple years ago, I mean, I remember everyone saying like the Nuggets are gonna be like this great team. They just need some time, and I think we're finally kind of starting to see that come to fruition. Like this is a real threat, and will be for the next few years. Yeah, big time, big time, especially with like the development of you know Michael Porter Jr. Well, and that's the thing. Like, they have so many young pieces. They could, like, theoretically make a very good package and, like, bring in a legit superstar to play with Jamal Murray and Jokic and whoever, like, whoever they move around. I'm so sure. I'm so sure that they're, like, oof, they're just going to develop Michael Porter Jr., Honestly, oh, I mean, like it's don't get me wrong, that would be incredible. <laughs> have you, I felt like have you seen some of the games that this man has like thirty and fifteen? Like what? Mm-hmm. Like who does that? I'll tell you who does that. Superstars. <laughs> <laughs> good take, good take. All right. <laughs> the next game today is I'll the... be here all week, folks. <laughs> 76ers versus the Celtics. Um, yeah, big news out one. of that series is um, Gordon Hayward will be out around four weeks, which is basically the playoffs. He hurt his ankle. I'm not sure if it's the same ankle that he snapped a few years ago, but that's a pretty big loss for the Celtics. Not that he is as big a piece as he they had originally planned him to be, but that is a really big piece for that team. Um, yeah, and a veteran yeah, presence sure. on the floor for them. What a, being, what a terrible, like, what a terrible, like, so unfortunate for him and just must be so frustrating to be a Celtics fan. Like, yeah. to have Gordon Hayward injured yet again. Like, I, obviously it's nobody's fault, but, like, it's, I would imagine that's just, like, so frustrating. Mm-hmm. And, like, Hayward's in, out now. With, like, it's been talked about how Kimba Walker is playing with an injury. Yeah, he is. Well, yeah. But they're still a lot better than the Sixers, so. <laughs> well, did did you get a chance to see that game? Um, I watched the extended highlights. I wasn't able to watch the game, no. Ah, you're a fake-ass fan, my friend. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm not a fan of either of these teams, so I feel <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I saw, I saw like, I saw the first half mm-hmm. of the like game because I was, it was either right before or right after the like heat game, and I think I saw mm-hmm. the ending as well. The Sixers, I think there's something to be said for the Sixers, man. And I know everybody's like pretty down on them because they're like basically imploding right before our eyes. Uh, and it's it's kind of great to watch personally because. <laughs> I just like I hate the Sixers, but um, <laughs> just don't I just don't like them, you know. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's like it's like a personal thing. Um, but but I will say this about them: uh, with Gordon Hayward kind of getting out and Kemba Walker maybe not uh, being one hundred percent. Even though I would say the Celtics looked good in that game, there were stretches of that game where the Sixers made it a competitive game. Mm -hmm. And I think there is something to be said 
for every time that either Joel Embiid or or, uh, Ben Simmons are out, Mm -hmm. right? When you have one, but the other one is out, the game kind of... Ben Simmons isn't playing, correct? He's injured. Right, that's what I mean. Like, when when you have out, right, and you just have, like, either Joel Embiid or you have just Ben Simmons, their scheme kind of, like, becomes a little bit more... uh, It just makes more sense. Right, because they mm-hmm. can just base it around this one player, as opposed to like trying to figure it out between you know Joel and Ben Simmons. And their their and, play styles don't mesh at all, because they both require spacing, which neither of them really provide. Yeah, they they don't they don't mesh. I think because they didn't put the right people around the two of them. Mm-hmm. You no, know? like I think I think they have good role players, but I don't know if they're the right role players to put around. Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, but something it again, like I said, the scheme kind of simplifies a little bit when you just have Joel Embiid. So I'm kind of looking at the game today to see if the if the you know Sixers could steal a game against the uh, against the Celtics, and I think that would be great for their confidence. The mm-hmm. the only problem with the Sixers is they have a terrible coach that they need to fire. That guy is. Garbage. That, that man should not be coaching an NBA team right now. Um, there's plenty of coaches out there. Oh, yeah. There's a bunch of great coaches, but that man needs to sit down and do something else because he he's just like not – he's not doing well. So if the Sixers are to magically win the series somehow, it will truly be because, like, Joel Embiid is that great. You know, like mm-hmm. – and. And that's the thing that bothers me a little bit is like, I feel like Joel Embiid's potential isn't being maximized by the Sixers. Like he could easily be the the most dominant, like without a doubt, the most dominant center in the league. And mm-hmm. like, he has the talent. He had, like, he could do it, man. He, he is a great player, but obviously the injuries and, and like, I think that, I don't know if that team is really the best place for him. Yeah, and that's something, I mean, I know I kind of jokingly brought up Embiid to the Knicks last week, but that's something that I think is worth not necessarily bringing the Knicks into the conversation, but... That'd be interesting, yeah. (laughs) No, but like, should should the Sixers pick one of these two players because, like, individually, they're both incredible players who you can run your offense through? And I just, their games don't, like, obviously in an ideal world, they would keep both these players who they spent years, like, building around and trust the process. And it's been such a painful thing to get to this point. But, like, this point isn't really working for them. And, like you were saying, the CBA is going to come out soon. We don't know what the salary cap is going to look like. Right, right. And both so these true. players, I believe, are on max contracts. And, like, it it could get to a point. And they also have Harris and um, Horford on sizable contracts. So is it worth exploring moving either Embiid or Simmons? Right. Possibly. Because then you have either Simmons and then you still have Harris and Horford. Horford could slide into that center role, or you could move Simmons, and then you are in a market for a shooting point guard 
I don't know. It's just something to think about, and we kind of digress from the series. But (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think this is kind of an interesting point because I think this is like a really big. um, I think this is a really big decision that could hold like pretty, I think, significant repercussions for the NBA if one of these two like young stars were to leave the Sixers. (laughs) My brother, this isn't going to happen, but my brother said there was a rumor going on in the internet that the, the, the Cavs were interested in Ben Simmons mm. <laughs> and would package. Right, uh, right, that is an NBA team. <laughs> and they, they would trade Colin uh, Sexton and Darius Garland, uh, which I thought, oh, that's kind of interesting. Like, theoretically, it's kind of, I don't think it's going to happen, but, like, theoretically, that would be kind of interesting. Also, it'd be so weird to see Ben Simmons in a Cavs jersey, you know? Yeah, I also just, I don't really understand what the Cavs are doing. Like, I don't understand their plan at all. I'll tell and you I what don't, the Cavs I are. don't think that he would fit with the pieces <laughs> they have now, so they're tanking. I know exactly what, what the say? Cavs are doing. <laughs> The Cavs are purposefully, uh, just, they're going to be bad until LeBron buys them. <laughs> or they draft Bronny Jr. Or they draft draft Bronny Jr. And that's like that's that's their plan. They're like, well, if we're just bad every year until Bronny Jr. becomes available, then we'll get Bronny Jr. and we'll just go from there, and that's fine. And then we'll sell the team to LeBron, and that's it. And then we'll find success once more. <laughs> uh, All right, we digress pretty far from the Sixers Celtics series. I'm actually interested in watching that game as well today purely because i was talking out of my ass a little earlier which onedo called me out on and also because there is a lot to look out for in that series um the next and last game that's happening today is mavericks versus clippers which we touched on a little bit already but i would like to see the mavericks make some adjustments because i really think they could give the Clippers a lot more trouble, especially the way Porzingis is playing. I know he just, uh, there were a lot of great memes about the technicals he got, um, but I'm definitely interested to see if the Mavs can make some adjustments to maybe Let me tell you, man. stretch out I that series. The, I saw the beginning of that game, and the cat, and the, not the cat, the, the Clippers, uh, when the, that game started, they they jumped onto like a really early lead. It was like eighteen to two or eighteen to four at some point, like mm-hmm. at the beginning of that game. They were hitting on all cylinders, and then the Mavs just like lit, just chipped away, chipped away, chipped away, and it was actually led that like initial like comeback right to get them mm-hmm. back in the game in the first quarter it was actually led by Kristaps Porzingis. Fuck Kristaps Porzingis. Anyway, continue. <laughs> I know, man. That sucks. I'm sorry. This is a sore subject, but um, <laughs> <laughs> and and for all of our our Knicks fans, you know, I I also want to say something right now. I want to clear the air because I've been hearing that a lot of Knicks fans think that I am unfair to them, and I would just like them to know some of my best friends are Knicks fans. I love Myself Knicks included. Knicks fans are, you know, really just like great people to talk to about basketball. But 
you know, it's just funny to make fun of the Knicks. <laughs> and and you know what? I'm gonna keep doing it. Uh and yes. until they're good, and you know, and I will eat my words, I'll say it here. I eat my words, I was wrong about the Knicks, whatever. I will keep making fun of them. So No, there's just there's a big difference between being unfair and being honest. And New Yorkers love being honest unless it's directed at them. And that's really the crux of it. And I probably will get some pushback on saying that, but that's just a fact. I also uh, think in a, <laughs> in a future episode... We'll dedicate a whole episode to the Knicks. Yeah, right, I let's think do once, it. Let's once do the it. playoffs are over, we'll do a Knicks episode for the offseason. We'll do a Heat episode, and each of us will bring in our own insights. But back to this Mavs-Clippers series. Yeah, yeah, definitely. What well, What adjustments do you think the Mavericks could make? Oh man, I think they could. Uh, you know, you know what I think they should do. I think they should start Seth Curry. Mm. They're, they I started think, him a couple games, I believe, before the playoffs started, unless I'm mistaken. No, no, I think you might be right. I think they might have like started him. I, I just think that they would benefit from a little bit more shooting early on. Mm-hmm. Kind of put the pressure on the Clippers. Mm-hmm. Clippers are a tough team to beat, man. They're a really tough team to beat, and they're and and the Mavs have struggled uh, specifically against the Clippers, like a lot. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I, I would just like kind of bring up, you know, bring in another good three point shooter, even though that would mean sitting down Tim Har- Tim Hardaway Jr., who's like one of their you know better scorers. Mr. I would actually Shimmy. put him. <laughs> I would put him on the on the bench and kind of mm-hmm. like bring him off the bench to see like if he could provide like an extra scoring punch. Right. Honestly, I could see him being a fun, like, Lou Williams-type six-man. Like, just comes in, can dominate any other bench, really, in scoring, and just, like, provide that offensive spark that they might need. I just think they need to do something, you know? Or, like, if they aren't already doing this, move Chris Stops to the center position, bring mm-hmm. in, like, and kind of do, like, a small ball around like small ball, not small ball with Chris Stapps mm-hmm. and like, you know, do something, do something a little unconventional because I think that's what it's going to take to beat. Well, not even to beat the Clippers, but just to win a game. Right. Yeah. And I, I, I just, yeah, that's pretty much it. It's funny you brought up small ball because I actually was thinking the other direction because Ooh, tall ball. <laughs> the Mavs do have much better big men than the Clippers. No shade at Montrez Harrell or Zubox or Jokinawa. Ivan Zubak. <laughs> but I think like Boban and Kristaps can just own all of those people in the paint. And like yes, the Clippers are an incredible defensive team but I see most of their defensive strength in the wing given that they have Kawhi and um what's his face Paul George who by the way we've been talking Onedo and I about Paul George and Kawhi and Paul George is just looking elite my friend I'm sorry but like <laughs> that dude I know he's, he's going amazing. off he's amazing yeah um but I, not I really better, not better than Kawhi though. I could see no, he's not better than Kawhi. <laughs> I could see 
that being an effective strategy, and especially because both Boban and Kristaps can shoot from oh. the perimeter. I think Boban. that <laughs> star of uh, what is it, John Wick? <laughs> yeah, um, star of John Wick. So yeah, that's just my take. Maybe a little more big ball. Hmm. Yeah. No. I. I mean. Yeah. That'd be interesting. I love the idea of just unlocking Boban. <laughs> He's just really like, fucking good, man. So like everybody clear out. Give it to Boban. <laughs> Boban, shoot. He's like, okay. <laughs> you know, he has like a giant's vo- voice. <laughs> you look at him and you're like, yeah, this man has like the voice of the giant in that like fairy tale you read once when you were a he kid under a bridge perhaps i don't know <laughs> <laughs> he, like he's like in the, in the bean selling business too and it's kind of like it's a little sketch let's just say <laughs> um, no i i mean you know all jokes aside i mean i, I well i do have a funny anecdote i want to bring up so they brought they um they mic'd up boban and uh jose berea no is that his name jose berea J.J. Barea, uh, maybe it's like Jose something. Okay, so they um, they mic'd up J.J. Barea, Boban, and Doncic like before the Clippers game, mm-hmm. and that shit was funny as fuck. <laughs> I I truly recommend anybody like uh, just like YouTube that YouTube search that and just like hear the absolute silliness between these like three guys. They're like apparently best buds, mm-hmm. and like. One of the funniest things is just like how close, because like obviously Doncic is like the young guy and of the of the trio, you know. They're all pretty young though. <laughs> yeah, but like, but Boban is like you know as he said a giant, and like <laughs> JJ Barea is like a Keebler elf, and like, <laughs> and it's just like an amazing friendship. Yeah, that's so funny. <laughs> it, it, well, comp- well, you know, you put him obviously like. JJ is like what six feet tall. He's like an you know average sized person, <laughs> taller than, than me for sure. I'm a Keebler elf compared to all of them, but like, <laughs> but just next to each other, it's so funny. And like he's just messing, they're just messing with one another. I don't know. I, I found it to be very endearing. Uh, and I, I you know, probably, I'm probably the only Heat fan that will ever say that about the Mavs. Uh, anything about the Mavs uh, like that. But I mean, you just you know, I don't know. I like that Mavs team, man. I like them. They are, uh, they're, they're a fun group, uh, but they're going to get like destroyed by this Clippers team. Uh, that Clippers team is way better. Is amazing. <laughs> way better. Just oof, like way more talented, more deep, uh, just like the, everything, man. They're on a mission and, yeah. and they, they're full strength now. Like Montrez Harold is back. Lou Williams is back. Like fucking. At Beverly. Pat Beverly, they have Jamichael Green as like their eighth man. That guy's a good basketball player, man. Like that guy would easily be the sixth or seventh best man on like a good playoff team. Yeah, and like, like Marcus have, Morris, like <laughs> is a starting level elite player in my dude, opinion. Like le- legit, like has can what team is has been like as good from a talent perspective, like at the top. Like the fucking, because like like you said, like Kawhi and Paul George are like they basically count as like three superstars between the two of them. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like they are between 
their skill set and like what they bring to the game, they're like a big three. <laughs> Just the two of them. Facts, facts. And then the they the, the the fucking this goes to show you how broken the Clippers are. They have two candidates, all right, two candidates, right, for sixth man of the year on their team. <laughs> facts. How does that happen? Have you ever has anybody sat down and said, oh? Yeah, Montrez Harold and Williams are candidates for six million. I thought there's years. only one number six on a number line. Two <laughs> six men. How does that work? They just skip to the seventh. And they're like, all right, we have two six men, or it's basically six man A, six man B with yeah, them. Yeah. And like, it's just kind of like it, it's but insane. That's how it's, good they are. They can insert one of those two players regarding the situation like it's all circumstantial with that team their bench can be do we need more defense right now or do we need an offensive spark and like oh my goodness that team's scary i think that's a a good uh segue into our next segment so just looking like insight insights into the west a bit in the playoffs um first we touched a bit on the Mavs and the Clippers so I don't think we need to uh get too much into that but what do we what do you think of the Rockets because they're just not good but I also am just like you can't ignore them like if James Harden is just like continuing to play the way he has and Russell Westbrook doesn't have a timetable for return, but it's not like a long-term injury as far as we know. Um, like can that kind of experiment of a team make a run? I don't think so, but it is something I've been kind of keeping my eye on. Right. Right. And like, they're definitely going to be, the thunder like no shade at the thunder they're a great team and like super exciting very well coached this season had a great season but the rockets are gonna win that series and like it'll be interesting to see what they can do after that i mean do you have a time do you know at all like how long uh russell westbrook is supposed to be out he's from what i read he's supposed to come back during this series um, they just oh, don't okay. have this because it's it's a muscle strain in his quad, so it's not oh, like he damaged okay. anything. It's just he needs some time to recover. Um, okay, well that's that's really good. I I hadn't read that. I hadn't like checked up on that. Um, man, let me tell you something. I, you know, whatever our personal opinions might be of the Rockets or how they decide, you know, how they choose to play. Mm-hmm. Like I think they've figured something out that works for them, yeah. Uh, in their own like weird like <laughs> analytical way, and I was like, Michael D'Antoni, Michael D'Antoni, we shoot at the three, <laughs> we shoot at the three, and drop the layup, we shoot at the three. <laughs> I watch football, and football they draw fouls and pick the fouls. You do that, James. Anyway. <laughs> Oof. So anyways, um yeah, man, I think that they have figured out something that works for them. I was looking at the box score um 
for their like last game with the against the uh, the Thunder. And dude, it was insane. They shot fifty two three pointers. Like <laughs> as a team. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? They this shot fifty two three they this shot is 52. just Okay. If we're just gonna get into it, like this is I know they're not the only team that does this. Like, look at the Blazers. Look at the Warriors. Obviously, started the whole trend. No, but they took it to another level. They took it to another level. (laughs) Yeah, and like the Hawks as well. Like with Trey Young. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I understand that analytics say it's smarter to take more threes. But that being said, I do not find it fun to watch players just like chuck up shots from half court. Like, personally, like, I just, <laughs> yeah, it's cool <laughs> when they make it, and, like, it adds. It's very cool, a, like that. Especially, especially Lillard, like, it's crazy. When he's hot, like, you have to guard him anywhere on the court, which is when crazy. When they make him like that. <laughs> but I just, it's just to, maybe it's, like, me, like, being an old person, but, like, it just looks stupid. Like, why would you do that <laughs> to me? And, like, James Harden specifically, like, watching defenders just, like, give him that space, because you have to, because he can blow by you and he has crazy handles, but, like, just watching him just walk around the court and chuck up threes and, like, granted, he makes them, (laughs) which, like, is everyone's argument against me. It's just, like, not fun. Like, he literally doesn't even run around the court, really. He just kind of, like shuffles around does his little like shimmies and step back moves and i don't know it's just like not fun to me okay i'm done my rant here's is what i here's 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 my um here's my perspective on the, the rockets and why i think they're so frustrating for mm-hmm. some people uh some nba fans um i think the and i'll, and I'll borrow uh i'll use an analogy from uh, painting from art. Um, the, the rockets are like, the rockets are like a Jackson Pollock (laughs) painting. Who's Jackson Pollock or NATO? Jackson Pollock is, (laughs) is an expressionist. You, people will know, like, if they see, all right, y'all, we live in the 21st century. If you don't know who Jackson Pollock is, that's totally fine. You can just Google him and see one of his paintings. My question is, do you know who Jackson Pollock is? Yeah, dog, I know Jackson Pollock. I know, I'm I'm just fucking with you. Anyway, <laughs> continue your arts analogy. Yeah, so Jackson Pollock, he, he would make these paintings, right? With um basically by just like dropping little paint like uh like he would take a paintbrush and he would just splash paint on a on a uh, <laughs> on a, a canvas and be like boom art. But people would be like what the fuck is that jackson pollock like that's not art like that's just like some shit you created you know and it's just like no it's like it is art and like jackson pollock like most people don't know this but like he was a very skilled painter uh he could do all of the shit that like other painters did right like if Mm -hmm. if you wanted me to if you wanted him to make like a fucking uh you know big scene and shit or like draw a big like painting or do a, a portrait or whatever he could do that but like this is his style you know and it was is different it was new and i think that's kind of what the like rockets are like they are 
they are kind of revolutionizing basketball. Not, I mean, obviously this is like what the Warriors did, but like, I think what the Rockets are doing are just so much more, it's more uh, analytics based, right? Mm-hmm. In terms of the three point shots that they're seeking. I mean, it's, it's a high volume of shots, man. It's a mm-hmm. high volume of shots and like the fact that they're playing with no center like creates all sorts of different, you know, opportunities, not just on the like uh, offensive end, but also on the the defensive end. Cause like, that's the biggest shock, right? Is like how, like they're actually not the worst defensive team in the league. Like it's, it's kind of shocking, but it's like, I think it's cause they have the right personnel. Cause they have like a PJ Tucker type, a Robert Mm -hmm. Covington type, you know? And they have Russell Westbrook, who, like, Russell Westbrook can rebound like a fucking power forward or center man. Yeah, like, and he's also he an elite defender. Skill. Exactly. Like, you put, I mean, it makes, theoretically, it makes sense to me. Because it's mm-hmm. like, you got Covington, uh, Westbrook, and uh, P.J. Tucker, like, in your starting lineup. Like, those are, you know, at least Covington and, like, Westbrook are very, very good defenders. In the case mm-hmm. of Russell Westbrook, elite defenders, you know, I think, you know, and then you just have the overwhelming offensive, like, Titan that is um, James Harden. I mean, whatever you want to say about James Harden, he is, like, the most offensively, like, oh, he's, skilled player. He's mastered his craft, man. Like, yeah, there's no other way to describe. He's just, he's like, doing. it's amazing, man. It's just amazing. And also, don't forget that uh, Russell Westbrook is like an offense in and of himself. <laughs> oh no, Russell Westbrook is an amazing like offensive player as well. Of course, of course. I'm just saying, like Russell Westbrook, like he does all the things that you know. Hard. They they complement each other in a very strange way mm-hmm. that isn't like in, you know super apparent. Um, I think it's interesting. I'll, I I I want to see what they look like when uh, Russell comes back. Mm-hmm. And I and who would they be playing in the second round if they theoretically, you know, or potentially mm-hmm. if they were to pass? You know? Let's see. We have so they would play the winner of the Blazers Lakers series. Oh I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's tremendous. Uh I, I any any of the Lakers or Blazers, that would be a great yeah, that'd be a fun matchup to see the the Rockets play against. Big, so big yeah, facts. speaking of so, the Lakers, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I was we um had a we were texting a bit last night and we were talking about the Lakers because I think we were both watching the game, but we were talking just like what can the Lakers do to adjust and. I think yeah. the only piece the Lakers are missing, right? Well, obviously they're missing like Avery Bradley too, and that's a huge, huge, huge loss for them. Huge, huge loss, yeah. Um, but Rondo is also out, and right now, and he's slated to come back. I think he's supposed to come back within this series. He's back in the bubble, and he's cleared to play. He just needs to like practice and like get his get back in the groove of things, but. Right now, LeBron is really the Lakers' only playmaker. And yeah. I think okay. Rondo will 
Like, you can say what you want about him, but he's always been a really good passer and playmaker. And he also, like, yeah, he's a little older, but he is willing to go ham on defense, and I think that will also be a key feature. And he spreads the floor because he moves the ball so well. Um, But what do you think about Rondo coming back and if that will be a significant change for the Lakers? Well, I think playoff Rondo, I think there's a distinction between regular season Rondo and playoff Rondo. Mm. And playoff Rondo is like the same animal but a different beast. (laughs) (laughs) R.I.P. Anyway, continue. But, you know, so like he he's a guy like this is what I told you yesterday. And I'm I'm sticking to it. Like if Rondo was healthy um, and like had played by not even had played all eight games in the bubble, but like had played like four games in the bubble was healthy coming in to the playoffs. Mm -hmm. I would say, yeah, like he would be a difference maker in this series because one, he's just another body you could put on either Dame or CJ. And that, Mm -hmm. that by itself just helps LeBron because it means he doesn't have to be like doing, you know, another thing for the Mm -hmm. team, Uh, you know, like Mm -hmm. defending the two best scorers on the, uh, against the the Blazers. But, and, and also kind of taking on some of that playmaking uh, responsibility. Um, but I, I just, I'm not super confident that like he's going to come back from, and I, hopefully I'm wrong because I, I would love for this to be like, you know, as competitive a series as it can be. But I just think that he is going to come back and he might be rusty. And I think that in a playoff series, that's not something that is good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you need someone to just like be on it and to be able to contribute. And, you know, maybe again, like I'm, maybe I'm wrong and he will come back and like, it'll be a huge boost for them or even just a little boost. Uh, Cause that game that the Lakers lost yesterday was very winnable for them. You know, they had mm-hmm. opportunities to win throughout the game, but I think that Rondo is, um, he's going to be an interesting, he'll, he'll be like a wild card. You know, like maybe he'll 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 be good for them. Maybe he won't. Um, I think that the Lakers, in terms of adjustments, should probably look to putting AD as the center, mm-hmm. starting Kuzma at the four, mm-hmm. or or Morris. Uh, they have one of the Morrises, right? <laughs> yeah, they have uh, Marquise. Yeah, yeah. I would either start Kyle or Marquise. I would probably just start Kyle. And I would, like, kind of go from there, you know, and and either put, like, you know, obviously Danny Green, LeBron. Um, mm-hmm. And I would just kind of do something like there because I think that part of the issue yesterday with the offense was, I don't know, the spacing kind of felt off to me a little bit. I don't know about you, what you thought about that, but the spacing felt a little bit off. So I think kind of clearing it up a little bit more and, and giving AD that like center role to mm-hmm. go against uh, either, you know, Nurkish or... Well, or by White the Hunt. way, I like there's a lot to talk about the Blazers, but Nurkic really needs a shout out, um, I believe. Yeah, like he's just playing out of his mind and I like he was missing all season for the Blazers. He was out injured and him coming back in the bubble has been huge. And I believe was it his mom that died of COVID? 
uh, I don't know if it was COVID that was the case, but his grandmother did pass away this weekend. It's sad, actually. Oh, his grandmother. She did die from COVID. Okay. His grandmother passed away from COVID. Well, she passed away, I believe, like either the day, the night before or the day of um, their play-in tournament game, Mm -hmm. which was emotionally just like, that was a lot, man. It was really sad to see. Yeah. And be like, damn, like, should this guy be playing? And I think it, under a normal circumstances, he wouldn't. But because of the nature of the bubble and not being able to just, like, freely go in and out, he mm-hmm. had to be there for his team. And he put up an amazing game. Yeah. So, like, w- we should talk about that that game as well. Well, we can, actually, when we talk about the playing tournament. But, yeah, but, yeah l- lots of um, lots of credit to, to, to Nurkic and... and just for so many different reasons. But yeah, His I think being one of them. Um, I agree. I think AD needs to move to center. I, if I, not that I have any say or clout, but I think I would move Markeith Morris over Kyle Kuzma, and I think Kuzma should come off the bench. But yeah, I think the Lakers are gonna make adjustments and. Like, I'm never going to doubt LeBron James, especially when he has the best player he's ever played with, Cough Cough, um, Anthony Davis, who both just... He is, he is, he is, absolutely. Like, the Lakers are going to make adjustments, and I can easily see this series going to six or seven games, and I'm just not going to doubt LeBron, and I think the Lakers are going to make the right adjustments. Do you have any less thoughts on the Lakers, Oni? Nah, man. I'm excited to see uh, what they do. I think this is going to be a really fun series. I'm picking the the Blazers to beat the Lakers, but mm. but um, but I think it's going to be a really fun series. I mean, it could go either way, but I just you know, for a lot of the reasons that we've discussed in this episode and in previous ones, I just think the Blazers are uniquely positioned to beat. Mm-hmm the uh to beat the uh the lakers in this playoff series right and i think we've talked a lot about the east already but i know Uh, there is one there is one omission my friend yeah (laughs) (laughs) and i i pass the mic over to you (laughs) onato no you know i think i think it would did you see the game at all did you see the the pacers heat game at all um I watched the extended highlights. I did not watch the game. So this is a game I did see the entire in its entirety from beginning to end. Um, yeah, man, I think that's – here's what I'll say. I think it's a real shame that the Pacers are not fully healthy because that Pacers team, uh, when fully healthy, is top four in the East, uh, mm-hmm. in my opinion. That team is a very complete team. In a lot of ways, very similar to the Heat, interestingly enough. Uh, mm. not in the sense of like, not in the same sense of the same like three point shooting, right? Not in that style of play per se, but in terms of like, in terms of like the depth of their personnel, they mm-hmm. have a very deep team and they run a lot of their offense. Well, a lot of their like offense and def- defensive schemes are really successfully ran, uh, through their, uh, through their guards, uh, and their leader really is uh, Sabonis, 
uh, and Sabonis is, I think, it's a real shame because I think we were robbed of a great matchup. Like Sabonis versus Bam Adebayo, that is such mm. an amazing like matchup of young big men uh, mm-hmm. who are who represent big men of the future, right? Not just like big men who rebound and whatever, but these these big men who are playmakers, right? Who can yeah. create space and, and create other opportunities by a passing and, and, and they're they just have a high IQ for the game. Both of these players. Uh Sabonis being a slightly better um offensive player and you know Bam being a slightly better defensive player. So like I think it's a, it would have been an awesome matchup that we don't get to see. Uh, and then Oladipo also is out with an eye injury, which is unfortunate uh because he is, you know he's a he's a big player for them. He's a difference maker. So, but even with that, this, like, I will say, I learned not to disrespect the Pacers many years ago, uh, Mm because they are a scrappy team. And every time they play the Heat, there's like, it's just, it's personal, you know, they they take it personal. We take it personal. We don't like it. It's kind of a fun rivalry of the last decade that has continued. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's just kind of like, I don't, you know, we don't really like them. They don't really like us. Um, in that it's a rivalry, you know, in that sense, it's a rivalry. And so like we, uh, we do have the upper hand, like we should win this series. Mm-hmm. He should win this series. Uh, but something I was telling Duncan yesterday that always makes me hold my, the, my breath with the heat is that the heat are a team that has lost the most games this season with a 10 point league lead. So like, that's yeah. like, that have had a 10 point lead at some point in the game uh, mm-hmm. that then ended up losing the game. And the heat are the, by far the number one, like, like, whew, like we lead that race by a lot. It's, it's <laughs> to a me for what it's worth. That sounds like, 16. that sounds like one of the, those uh, statistics that your local broadcast gives you that most other people wouldn't pay attention to. Are you trying to say something, Duncan? <laughs> no, I'm not trying to say anything. I'm trying to be helpful to you, man. No, but 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 this is what I mean. Like this team, I don't know, I was joking, but this is what I mean. This team is one of the reasons I love this team is they can beat anybody. Like I feel very confident that the Heat can go into a game and beat absolutely any team. And mm-hmm. like any Eric Spolstra team. They can also lose to any team on any given <laughs> night. Like everything that could go wrong, like will go wrong. And I, I don't know what it is, to be honest. I, I don't know. I just, I don't know what it is. But that's why I'm just like kind of holding my breath. But some things that were really promising about this game is we got playoff Jimmy Butler back. And mm. playoff Jimmy Butler is amazing. <laughs> He's like, can, can we just like take some time to like appreciate jimmy butler and like how he is this guy who just like he's played on like three different teams all right in the last three seasons and i know everybody everybody kind of like shoots him down as being like a oh a toxic player or whatever but mind you the last three teams that he's played on every time he's played on that team that team has made the playoffs okay Mm. he everybody makes a big stink about oh the the timberwolves the timberwolves and 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 uh, Jimmy Butler. But what what when was the last time the Timberwolves made it to the playoffs in the Western Conference? It's when they had yeah. Jimmy Butler. When was the last time the like obviously the Bulls? Know, 
the the Bulls the Bulls made a, a like the playoffs every year with Jimmy mm-hmm. Butler. He wasn't the only reason, but he was like their best player there for like a year or two. One the, the the last time the the Sixers had a really good they were one shot away from making it to the Eastern Conference Finals last year, and Jimmy Butler was a really big reason for that. And now the Heat's turn like there is something to be said for him as a real game changer. He doesn't do it with stats. So like he's not going to be, you know, celebrated like a James Harden or a Russell Westbrook, but he is a winner. You know, he is mm-hmm. a winner and he's the kind of guy you bring on to like win games. And I think yeah. that's why he fits in Miami so perfectly and why I'm really excited for this playoff run and I'm really hoping, you know, we can I, I want the Bucks, man. I want the Heat to face the Bucks. Um I, I even if they, you know, it's <laughs> not a series that's necessarily in our favor. I think we can we could really make a good challenge there because uh just our personnel. Our personnel yeah. is just like positioned to like really no pun intended put the heat on. Like, you uh you just reminded me I I sent you this on Instagram um but a quote of Goran Dragic and he's talking a a quote by Goran Dragic and he's talking about Jimmy Butler's leadership. And he said, if you're not doing your job, he's going to call you out. And as professional players, we need that. And I think that kind of speaks to the leadership you were mentioning. And maybe that on the other teams he's played on, which you you missed the Sixers also. He played on the Sixers last season. Don't forget. Yeah, um, that's what I said. Sixers okay, last then I just wasn't, were, no, wasn't. My bad, my bad, my bad. I was... Talking no, no, out of no, my ass again. Um, but just kind of the idea of like, is he that bad a locker room presence or just was his professionalism and leadership style not vibing with the people he was around? And it, like the, the Heat obviously have a lot of young players, but they also have a lot of veterans. And it seems like he's adjusted to playing with like under Spolstra and Spolstra has kind of allowed, given him the space to professionalize his leadership style. Right, right, right. That's a very good way of putting it, I would say. I, I and and something that I just I thought about as you were like mentioning those teams is kind of like where those teams were at, right? Like, uh, like when he was with the Timberwolves, they were. They had Jimmy, but like they were really trying to build around Wiggins and and Carl Anthony Towns. And the Bulls were, you know, they traded Jimmy in order to start a rebuild. And the Mm -hmm. same thing, in the same deal with the Sixers, like the Sixers, they got Jimmy, but like they were really trying to build around, um, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Whereas the Heat were like, listen, we have like a spot for a top guy to Mm -hmm. build around. Like this is, this is actually one of the first teams that has actively chosen to build around Jimmy Butler. And mm-hmm. like now we're seeing the results of that. And I think it's like, it's pretty interesting. I mean, I think he's got a great, you know, I don't know. I mean, we'll see what happens with the heat. We'll see if they, you know, if they become serious, like title contenders. Um, but, but I think they, they're, they're a dangerous squad. I don't think anybody wants to play them. Yeah, I totally agree. That being said, I wonder, um, we gave our 
finals predictions last episode, but I'm wondering if you have any updated predictions. I don't know about you, but I got my NBA pickums in, so I'm going to stick with that, even though it might not come to fruition. Like a true politician, I'm going to flip-flop, and... <laughs> uh, and I'm going to say that, well, I'm, I'm not going to flip-flop. I'm going to make a slight adjustment because I did pick the Clippers to make the finals. Mm. And I'm still picking the Clippers to make the finals. Uh, but instead of the Raptors, I'm picking the Heat to make the finals. I'm putting mm. it down. We got 40 to 1 odds, courtesy of our friend Charlie. What's good, my <laughs> friend? Shout out to you. We got yeah. 40 to 1 odds to make it to the uh, to the finals. And you know what? I'm putting five on that because mm-hmm. let me tell you, Sometimes you got to dream big. Sometimes you just got to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to take a chance. And <laughs> I think this is what's going to happen, man. This is going to be – this is going to we're, – we're not going to expect the finals this year. It's, it's going to be an unexpected finals this year. Here's mm. another hot take. Blazers are going to make it to the Western Conference finals, all right? They're going to lose to the Clippers, but they're going to make it to the Western Conference finals. Okay. And uh, – and on the uh, other side, it's going to be Celtics uh, Heat, Celtics Heat uh, conference finals. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. So I last last episode I predicted Lakers Celtics. I'm going to stand by that. That being said, I'm well aware that the Blazers could easily upset the Lakers, but I maybe to a fault will stand behind LeBron James. And I just like, I'm just never going to be surprised by him. And so I'm keeping my Lakers prediction. Mm -hmm. And then out of the East, I'm going to say the Celtics, Um, even though they lost Hayward, I think that team just is always, so good in the playoffs and like ultimately Hayward unfortunately is does not have as big a role as they had originally planned so yes it's a big loss and I'm not in any way throwing any sh- shade at Gordon Hayward I just think the Celtics are that good that they can absorb that loss and adjust and make it to the finals yeah yeah no I mean you know, if there was one player that they're kind of used to dealing with, <laughs> dealing without is is Gordon Hay- Hayward. As sad as that is to say, no. But um, even they, when he did have that big injury, like granted that Celtics team looked a lot different than it does now, um, but mm-hmm. they almost made the finals that same year, and they didn't have Kyrie Irving. Like Kyrie. this is a a better yeah. team that they have now than they did that year. Like granted, the East Kyrie. looks different, but. Kyrie Irving, that snake. I'm kidding. <laughs> that, that was a request. That was a request from one of our friends who was a uh, who is that uh, who's a Celtics fan. Uh, by the way, he asked us to, to say that. I think at one point. Um, so that 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 one's for you, my friend. But uh, no, I, obviously, I don't think Kyrie's a snake. Kyrie. Was never there though. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, no, not in play, heart, or mind. Anyway, yeah. continuing. No, but I hear you though. I think you make really good points. Like I think the Celtics are 
you know, the, just, I mean, just that duo, right, of Jason Tatum, well, trio of Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Kemba Walker. Like, mm-hmm. that is an amazing trio. Kemba is, you know, if he can stay healthy, right, like, he is going to help lead that team uh, mm-hmm. to heights they haven't seen, you know, since the big, since, you know, the Celtics' big three era. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel, I, dude, I have all the confidence in, like, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, man. They're just yeah. like stars, man. Those guys are just like good. Like mm-hmm. th- those guys are just freaking good, man. Like team's going to be good for a long time. Yeah, man. That core, as long as they can keep, you know, as long as they can keep Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum together, they're going to be good for, you know, 10 plus years. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like, I don't, I don't see it any other way it's frustrating because they always they always find a way these celtics they always just find a way (laughs) but yeah yeah they do so i think that being said we can move into our next segment which we're gonna onato actually brought this idea to me and i kind of scoffed at it at first uh, if I'm being honest, and I quickly ate my words. But the idea of should the NBA keep the bubble format in some way, shape, or form moving forward, even after there's a vaccine or whatever the end of this pandemic might look like. Um, but before we get into that conversation, I wanted to quickly just talk about the bubble awards because I think that lends into how popular the bubble was and why the NBA might even be considering this. Um, So MVP, obviously people know of the bubble was Damian Lillard. A lot of people think Devin Booker got snubbed, but like, yeah, the Suns were undefeated, but I mean, most, the Blazers made the playoff. Most valuable bubble award goes to Damian Lillard. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and, like, you can't really argue just, like, how insane his bubble run was. And I think the nod that the Suns deserved, which they got, was the coach of the bubble, which was Monte Williams, who really just, like, showcased the young talent on that team perfectly. And I think everyone in the league is eyes on their off season and what, their next season is going to look like because of how well they played and how well he coached that team knowing their circumstances and like I mean obviously they didn't make the playoffs but he yeah I mean he saw the situation and did everything in his power to put that team in a position where they had a chance they told yeah I mean they they won out right like there was nothing, <laughs> nothing that, nothing more that they could have done other than like one in the regular season, which is like, you know, c'est la vie, right? Like, mm-hmm. so like, I don't know. I, I think, I think the, the Suns were such a great story and they're definitely a team. I think everybody's going to keep a close eye on going mm-hmm. forward. And then. First team all bubble, which just sounds funny to me. I think they should keep that as an award. 
Um, <laughs> but you have Lillard, obviously, Harden, Doncic, Doncic, and Devin Booker, and TJ Warren, who, yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone's going to argue with <laughs> the NBA yeah, on yeah, that one. And then second All-NBA bubble was Giannis, Kawhi, Karis LeVert, which is exciting, and Porter, and then Porzingis, who also played really well. So I don't know. I just think it's exciting that they had these awards and shows just how popular the bubble was. And I think my skepticism, now we can move into the conversation, but when you first brought this to me was, yeah, the bubble's been super exciting, but is it exciting because, like, it is what it has to be and, like, people are watching because it's the only thing to watch. People are excited because the NBA is back and like this is like so many people's lives are like a lot happier now because there is NBA basketball and WNBA basketball to watch. So I think that was kind of my initial skepticism about it, but I'm interested to hear kind of your rationale in why you thought of this and also kind of like what you're thinking it might look like. Yeah, I think, I mean, so this isn't even, I have to admit, and I think a lot of our listeners might even, you know, have heard this before, but this is a plan that, um, that Adam Silver has been talking about for a while. And it was interesting because we had never really got to see what that could look like, right? It's like hard to propose something, right? If you don't ever get to see what it might look like. Right. It's like one thing to say, oh, well, there's this playing tournament and this is how we're going to and people be like, oh, that's so stupid. Like you're going to ruin the game. You're going to whatever 82 games or die a bit or die, my dude. Um, (laughs) Like, what the fuck? I hate you. Why do you want to kill my parents? Adam Silver. Um, (laughs) all, All this shit. Right. All this like mudslinging at poor Adam Silver. And <laughs> poor and, Adam uh, Silvers. Pobrecito, Adam Silvers. <laughs> uh, and and the thing is, like the man, like really does know what he's doing, because this bubble has been fucking tremendous. Like I, I think there's so many potential ways on how they could structure it to actually like deal with some of the like challenges that the NBA has been facing in the last couple of years, particularly around this like um, question about the level of competition in certain months in the NBA. Like it's kind of widely known like in the month or month and a half or, or two months before the playoffs start. Right. So when, when you more or less know who is in the NBA playoffs, and like you know who's like in it and who's who's not you know when teams start like clinching and shit uh it becomes pretty evident that there are just teams like who are tanking right by the end of the season mm-hmm. like you'll you know like you'll fucking play the Hawks or the Nets or the Knicks or like the uh, freaking Sixers what's the, the Sixers you know historically in the last yeah like you'll play these teams like late season and you're like these teams aren't gonna like fucking win or anything like that and they might have a young star but like you know these teams are just like not competitive so doing kind of interjecting a play-in tournament that 
I think gives an opportunity to those middle, those like middling teams, right? Like those teams that are like maybe let's say like not, like nine through eleven, right? Or like nine through ten uh, in those like respective leagues to do mm-hmm. some sort of like play-in tournament to get into the playoffs does kind of incentivize teams that who you know who might have struggled, right? Like let's mm-hmm. say the Blazers, maybe they had a few key injuries that happened to them in the beginning of the season. But you know what? They made a trade at the trade deadline because they wanted to make a push to make in the, the playing tournament, right? Like mm-hmm. that is a way to incentivize. This is what really the playing tournament for me just is a way to incentivize competition in the NBA. And I think that's, I mean, it, it, it's more than that. But like it, for me, like that's just one of the, the most apparent benefits uh, or one of the biggest lessons we've learned from the bubble. Uh, and, and that I would like to see applied to any sort of future bubble tournament uh, that we would play. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I think, I mean, uh, like the NBA has talked about doing like a midseason tournament or like a lottery tournament in the past. And I think Which when I you, yeah. So I think when it's framed like that, the idea is very exciting and enticing. Because like for the reasons you just said, um I also think as a fan of a team that is consistently on the bottom, it would <laughs> kind of add an air of excitement and competition to teams that are maybe not consistently at the bottom like the Knicks because not that many teams are. Um, but, like, right, right. say for the Warriors, who, like, that's a huge market of profit for the NBA in the Oakland area. And, like, if the Warriors were given a chance this season to be in a lottery tournament for the number one pick, which they're already in line to do, so fuck you, Warriors fans. But um, I think, like, A, like, for fans, I think it would be exciting, but B, it's an important, could lead to an important, like, revenue stream for the NBA, where big markets like the Bay Area and New York have games that they can tune into and care about, which the Knicks don't often have. (laughs) And let me say this, you can you could really up the ante, man. You could really fucking up the ante with this playing tournament. You can make mm-hmm. it like a group knockout stage type thing, mm-hmm. uh, and and single elimination. Like <laughs> like obviously like maybe they would want to do like a best of three for like mm-hmm. revenue reasons, but because it's like a you know because. You, you want to like balance it, right? You want to be like, all right, the good teams like will have a chance to, to get a, a good position, but you also kind of want to give the Cinderella's a chance as well. <laughs> I think it's no, but see, here's the thing. A lot of people are like, Oh, a playing tournament for the uh, draft lottery would be so bad for um, like small market teams or teams that are struggling that don't have good players like that. This would really be bad for them because then they wouldn't get, like, a, a top pick that they deserve. Which, mm. like, A, like, like to a certain extent, like, you are right. Like, there is a trade-off here. But mm-hmm. the trade-off is more competition, you know? Like, 
Yeah. Like this is I'm I'm sorry, this isn't like a healthcare system we're debating about, my friend. This isn't reforms <laughs> to the education system. This is fucking Premier League basketball, my friend. This is like the best basketball in the world. You want to like incentivize competition on all fucking levels. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I think that doing a play in tournament for, you know, the teams to make it into the playoffs and then a separate tournament for like the teams, like a lottery tournament essentially for teams to like compete for lottery spots would be amazing for two reasons. One, like the lottery tournament would be great for teams to basically assess what talent they have already. Right. Mm. And to see how to build around like free agency and whatnot. And -hmm. I think, like you said, it would just give everybody like something to play for, you know, like, yeah, nobody fucking cares about the NIT tournament and the NCAA, but like when you win the, the, the NIT tournament, that's pretty fucking hype. (laughs) You know, (laughs) like if it, Tell me how like significant it would be for the Knicks to win like the draft lottery tournament. Oh like my that, would God. Be, that, that would be like you would have. Not only would they put sixteen banners up in Madison <laughs> Square Garden, but like the fact that they earned that first overall pick, mm. right? And the fact that they're like, all right, like we, like we want to build a competitive squad every single year, every single year. Build a competitive squad. Don't don't just like live in the, the the draft tournament. Don't just like like build through trades, the draft, and through um, what you call it, through uh, through free agency. I love it. I'm I I I freaking love it, Duncan. I yeah. freaking love this idea so much. It would revitalize the NBA and like. It would it would not revitalize. It would take it to new heights. I totally agree, man. I think, I mean, even just thinking about, I'm kind of just focusing on the lottery tournament. Um, but just thinking even about just how that would restructure the way teams approach the lottery. Like, obviously, the NBA has made changes the last couple of years regarding like to try to address tanking, but I think it also, like, if you have a tournament, and then inherently in that tournament, the worst team also is going to be at the worst chances of getting the number one pick, if that makes sense. So it incentivizes that worst team. So what is it this year, the the Warriors? Yeah, kind of so, an anomaly as far as, as far as worst teams go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but just even just thinking about it, like, okay, let's let's not use the Warriors as an example. Who was it last year? The Suns or the Knicks? One of those teams. Let's it just is. say the Knicks because they are the worst team. In the okay. <laughs> so we'll say it's the Knicks, but instead of like, yes, it's not a given that this team will have the number one pick, just like we saw the Pelicans come out with the number one pick last year. But Mm -hmm. it incentivizes the Knicks, say, to then be the best team as opposed to tanking. Like, it further incentivizes against tanking. That's my whole point. Right. (laughs) I danced around saying that for a while, but that's my point. Yeah. 
and and the one way that you could do it too so that you're like let's say you don't necessarily have like borderline playoff teams joining that draft lottery because i get it like you don't want to have like the spurs in that draft tournament because they're gonna win that shit and they like almost made you know i get that i get that like if if the spurs want to be like either you make the play-in tournament for the playoffs or you make the draft lottery tournament to like fight for a position in the um in the draft lottery so you could be like the top eight the the low eight worst teams are competing for those eight spots so even if you are in the tournament and let's say you're like a really bad team like you will still be punished right for being a bad team but you won't get like a pick outside the top 10 Mm. you know or you won't get a pick outside the top nine or eight Right. So and that's still like a good that's still a lottery position, but it's going to like. I don't know. I just think like the the incentives are great because it makes you not just invest in like, say, like I'm going to invest in my like you you need to invest in your G League team. You need to get better scouts. You need to do that. You know, you need to like really build your organization up, you know, because because you because if you're going to be doing these deep runs, right, every year you, you have to compete. You know, there's no way around it. You're going to have to compete. Like, I, I just love it because it, it just like, one of the things that I love about this so much, Duncan, is it would just really fuck with like these franchises that have depended so much on the lottery that I just, I hate them. I hate them so much. I hate the Cleveland Cavaliers organization. Fuck that organization. Fuck getting three fucking uh first round picks in four years and just having LeBron come back to you like it's all good. Using Fuck one of them on ben. Anthony Bennett. <laughs> Using one of them on Anthony Bennett and then trading Andrew Wiggins for Kevin Love. Like fuck that gift, right? That we ne- none of us trust that shit. None of us fucking trust the lottery. Like we know it's kind of bullshit. We know it's it's pretty much rigged most Looking likely. At you Pelicans taking Zion from the Knicks. Dude <sighs> It, it it's like it's such bullshit and like i get it that like you want these teams that are bad to have a chance to draft young prospects but make them fucking work for it man like mm. make them fucking work for it bro 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 if we're getting bro, really bro, bro. crazy here <laughs> if we're getting really fucking crazy here i know nobody will agree with me on this because this is pretty out there um but fuck it i'm in this mood uh I would abolish the draft. All right. All right. I would abolish the on draft. On that note, we're going to wrap up for this week. Um. No, hear me, <laughs> out, hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. I would abolish the draft. And instead of draft positions, I would have a new player free agency. Okay. New player free agency, right? You could basically, you would be competing. Right to have more cap space to sign, uh, basically like first round talent, right? So you could be like, nah, that's kind of flawed. I'll stop oh, yeah, it. I don't you, like that, man. You can just cut <laughs> it. <laughs> no, no, no we won't I, cut I, it. I, we I, won't I, cut it. Everyone needs to know that Onedo just said that. I will say <laughs> though that I think I'd be interested to see the NBA draft look a little more like Major League Baseball and that Mm. players 
and I think we've talked about this a bit in the past on this show, but players, a player who does not want to go to college and instead wants to go straight into the pros can yeah, like be drafted, but has to be drafted into the G League. And Ooh. like from there, a play, a team could bring that team, that player up to the, like the NBA level. But they have to be drafted into their G League team. And then to incentivize college, a player specifically playing in college for four years, Mm -hmm. um, a player who plays in college four years can be drafted straight into the NBA and gets a higher salary than, say, if they had been drafted into the G League even if they then play in the NBA, they'd still be getting a G League salary. Wow, that's interesting. I would do it this way. I would give teams a third-round pick, and mm. this third-round pick would eff- effectively like function as a... Um, it could be like a dual, like two-way contract type thing. Right, because you know how every team has like two-way contracts now, which is kind of like what you you know. It, it kind of is like my my uh, free agency, my ill, <laughs> my ill-constructed free agency idea, right? To give teams like these extra, like this extra cap space to specifically sign players into G League contracts and, and kind of have them like uh, go between like the NBA and the G League, but. Mm-hmm. What I think the what I think the NBA should do after the like from like our conversation is, um, I think it would be really interesting if we got a third round pick and this third round pick was like high school players or not high school players but just like more players uh, that teams wanted to draft and they're on mm. one year deals and and what these and what the the purpose of the third round pick is really to feed in to the G League. Right. Mm. So these are like high school players who are like, yeah, like I, I want to play basketball. I want to make a salary. I want to like, you know, maybe I don't want to go to college or whatever, but I, I want to like just go into the, the G League and like try my luck, you know? Mm. And, and, and they would make a good salary. They'd make something, you know, a good, a good working salary for someone who's playing minor league basketball. Um, yeah. one, I, I think this would be great in terms of improving the talent of the G League and making the G League into a true, like, development league, not just mm-hmm. for, like, older players who are trying to, like, salvage their careers or whatever, but, mm-hmm. like, young players who are, like, I actually want to, like, develop through the NBA. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I, I want to develop through an NBA team. I don't want to develop, like, in, in fucking college and stuff where they're not going to pay me, where, you know, I'm not going to like, like anything. Mm-hmm. So I think give them a third round pick to every team. Let this kind of be a way to like build up, uh, the, um, the G league players who are drafted in the third round cannot play in the NBA for a whole, for a year or two years. Mm. So they need, they need to play. In the G League, though, because that but is the that, G League. And yeah, I like that also because that then allows them, like you were saying, to make like a six-figure salary instead of like being exploited by college 
or even if they're making like ninety thousand dollars a year, that's like more than the average. Like, if you're making ninety thousand dollars, that's a lot more than like minor league baseball players make. Let me just tell you, <laughs> if they're making like ninety thousand dollars a year, which is a salary that like these teams can fucking pay. Let's be honest. Um, yeah, I think that's great, and I think it would. I, I just, man, this is so exciting. Like, I know that, like, COVID is terrible for so many reasons, but, like, the the opportunities it's given basketball to restructure into something that is more competitive and, like, exciting, I think is really, I don't know, I think the future is bright for the NBA, honestly. Mm, I totally agree. Um, that being said, I think that's as good a place as any to wrap up Thank you so much to everyone for listening. We appreciate all of you. Follow us at the bounce back underscore podcast on Instagram. And we'll catch you next time. Bye, everyone. Much love. Goodbye, everybody.